I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. How you doing? Yeah, me too. After that, it's kind of a downer, you know. That, <laughs> that song is just—it's all short and sad. I agree. Now that it's thirty just, seconds less, it is a downer. It's just kind of grating, and it's kind of—I think it might have given me a brain tumor. Oh, oh William. Well, that's so you're listening funny. to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. Uh, Talking about the Flyers. We're in a little bit of a different spot tonight. Uh, thanks to Toxic Radio for their. Uh, for their hospitality. It's pretty nice in here. I it's like really it. nice the in seats here. Are, I like the seats a lot more, I'll tell you that. Uh, be and sure, the lighting. Be sure to check out their uh, our parent site, BroadStreetHockey.com, brought to you by SB Nation. And uh, listen, I know like you think you don't need to rate stuff on iTunes, like, ah, oh, that's someone else's job. No. You listen to me, you rate it, because I freaking said so. Please. Please. No, you got to be stern with these people or they'll never listen. They're like your kids. You got to smack them around. That, that seems mean. Yeah, you just just play nice. Merry Christmas, Philly. Uh, so <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this is Broad Street Hockey Radio. My name is Bill Matz and I am your director of fun and games for the evening. The 10 game win streak has been snapped and we all to know it had to come to an end. Uh, I was hoping for after Christmas because, you know, who wants to who wants to have a depressing holidays? Let me introduce you to my panel for the evening. Leading off. My broadcast partner in crime, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. Bill, have I mentioned lately that I'm a Phantoms expert now? You mentioned it on Yelling About Sports, which you can hear on Wildfire Radio Mondays at 9.30. I'm a Phantoms expert you now. You got to see Danik Martell's amazing goal, right? In I person? Did. I did, in person. I got to scream at Travis Sanheim that I'm in love with him. Oh, fun. It was very nice. good. I'm an expert now. <laughs> the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. It me, and I uh, also think that we should still try to trade Braden Shen. I'm not still against it. I, I am very much, I, I like that idea. Oh, my God. But. I do not. Leave Brayden alone. Like, can we just, like, for a second, just leave him alone? This has to be for a good return. Like, just but. a second. I gotta get some stuff. I won't, I won't like it because I won't be able to reference myself every time he drives to the net and scores a goal and say, I told you to do that, Brayden. Using his big butt? Yeah, and mm. I won't be able to use my one and only Vine, which is the scene from Slapshot where the fan yells, that's what you get paid for, Brayden. <laughs> So like that, like they'll need another guy named Braden. Well, Maybe bring back Coburn. It could happen. I think I, there I, are a lot of Bradens in Canada. There seem to be a lot. I will personally miss not being able to make fun of friend of BSH Hal Greenblatt every time Braden Shen does something well because he really he, hates he really him. hates yeah. Braden Shen, and it's just so much fun to like yell at him whenever Shen has a hat trick or something. It's, it's, it's great. Can we just like like Braden for a minute? No. I like him. I like him. <laughs> oh, okay. I like him. But if they trade him, they trade him. It's the way she goes. Last but not least, Charlie O'Connor. So to throw a little little controversy controversy out here, I actually don't think the idea of the goalies being allowed to get hit outside of the crease is that crazy of an idea. I do think they would have to wear better equipment so they could get crushed. But you know what? If you're outside of the crease and you're playing the puck, sure you sure look like a defenseman to me. I'm all for it. All but for it. I think they should then be allowed to go into the corners. And like I think you just have to change some other rules too. Oh yeah, you oh, have, yeah. You'd have to kill because the trapezoid. The trapezoid's the trapezoid. dumb anyway. The trapezoid so. isn't like okay. If I can't do anything else, this is my safe space. Are, yeah. are they making the equipment smaller for more goals? That would be no. I mean, they have all the equipment. That was supposed to be in November, and I, I haven't they, heard they anything about it. They sort of did, but there's like some. I think there's still some equipment that needs to be finalized. That's the problem. But no, the best argument I heard against it on Twitter when I when I talked about it was basically like oh well they designed the equipment for you to stop pucks not for you to get hit it's into true. the boards which totally agree but 
then make the equipment a little stronger. I, I will say, though, if I'm like the Penguins and I employ a, a guy like Tom Sestito and I watched that Rangers team do absolutely nothing, I'm dressing Tom Sestito in a game one and saying, run Lundquist, they're not going to do anything about it. You're getting suspended anyway. You suck. Well, I mean, mm. their, their helmets are not really designed to get hit into the boards. No. Especially from the, in the, back. the back. Yeah, they got yeah. nothing that, in the yeah. back. Yeah. Which, again... The equipment, or to even get knocked down and, and you hit would, the ice, you like would have to alter the. Equipment. You'd have to, you'd yeah. have to alter a the equipment lo- a lot. But I, I do like I the idea of if a goalie comes out of the crease, he's basically a defenseman. Maybe, maybe that's a way to de-incentivize goalies not coming out of the crease. I got a lot of thoughts about that. Stay in your crease, goalies. I, I do. I've got a lot of thoughts it about that. It was not nearly as bad as It is a great way. It is a great way to keep them from breaking up the forecheck. Exactly. Because the trapezoid hasn't worked. Because the puck makes its way into the trapezoid three quarters of the time anyway. It's uh, scoring's lower than it was before they put in the trapezoid, but uh, yeah, if 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 goalies had it in their head that I might get laid out here, I think it it might de incentivize it. I like that idea a lot, Charlie. I, I I don't. What what does it bring to the game other than more violence and more injuries? That's what I like. About <laughs> I was say, wait, are we anti? Here. I love violence. No, That's no. why I watch hockey. I mean, we, we've talked about my my affinity for blatant displays of masculinity, but. <laughs> I just don't. I don't see it bringing anything to the game. Yeah, I guess. I guess the argument I would make is that, and again, this is just kind of me throwing something out there. I don't think it's a real, a ridiculous debate to have. Is that, is as Bill said, it makes it, it, it makes goalies less likely to try to break up forechecks by going into the corners. Because I feel like if a goalie goes in the corners to try to break up a forecheck, he's basically playing like a defenseman. So. Maybe yeah, because be yeah, like your one. safe zone is the crease. Yeah. Right, that's yeah. where I can't touch yeah. you. And, right. and I will say the Lundquist hit like that was just that, a, was, just that, a, that was just a dirty hit. If that was a defenseman behind the net, that's a dirty. It's hit. It's still a dirty hit. He headshot it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he jumped into his head. Really? I yes. mean, I think his helmet came off, so pretty sure he made contact. It with It kind head. of looked like he was trying not to hit him, but oh, had no, no, nowhere to go. Was, I think he was. He was trying to like get. It looked like he was kind of trying to like. He kind of ran out of room. Yeah, he didn't have anywhere to go except into his head. Maybe it was unintentional. I'm not sure. I do know that the And it looked like Lundqvist sold it a little bit. Well, I mean, he's Lundqvist. He's the goalie. He's supposed to. But I think there was also contact with the head, which is bad. Well, I mean, yeah, he did hit hit his head, but I don't know what else he was going to do in that particular situation. He's going to try to slow down rather than try to, like, loop around him. Fair. Throw his body on the ice. I wanted to talk about shootouts, but that's boring. It's been like ten years. Every every opinion about shootouts is out there. Uh, I w- I have a question, a general question. What is the point of the holiday roster freeze? Is uh, it just so guys don't have like, oh, I lost my job over Christmas? That's always what I assumed. That it was. I assumed it was. Yeah, too. like just like, I don't. I got traded in the middle of the holidays. That yeah, would really. Suck. Oh, it's Christmas <laughs> Eve. I've got to move to Winnipeg. That'll suck. Like nobody wants well, to. I mean, do that that. Would right. Suck and I guess it's yeah. you know, February tenth. <laughs> it's part of the CBA that they can't play on Christmas, right? Yeah. So that's probably they can't travel on Christmas. And I thought I honestly looked at it like the team has to book your tickets when you get traded, right? And they don't want to have to pay holiday rates. <laughs> This, this is you the might end. be on to something. This is the that end. Could be it. I, uh, I Cap Friendly tweeted, like, what to remember about the roster freeze. And, like, okay, none of these guys are eligibly moved. There's some exceptions. It's, like, all these different rules. Basically, no one can be moved, like, uh, from what, December 19th to December 28th. And the all rosters are frozen. And I was like, what's the point? But, I don't know. I guess it's just so guys don't lose their jobs over the holidays, which is nice. That's a nice consideration. Yeah, I think it's just a nice, just a nicety. Way to be nice. It is nice. Yeah, NHL. Canadians. Good job being nice once in a while. Right? As friendly as There's, Canadians. They're just so friendly. There's got to be a reason that's not them being nice. Like, there's got to be something <laughs> where, where the NHL benefits. I think there's no, there's I no think way. It's, I think it's Remember, holiday. Gary Bettman is the commissioner. Right. So. There's, there's no way that they're just like, oh, okay, here you go. I think it's the, the, ho- the, the league benefits somehow. It's the holiday rates on travel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to pay it. Uh, so the win streak... Which was it was really fun while it lasted. Snapped Which, at ten because they're oh one and we one ruined since. It. We we had the new song and then the streak was gone. Oh, that thanks a lot, Bill. That was us. They won after that. Yeah, song. we got one win out of it. Yeah, they beat Colorado. Yeah, but then it's Colorado. Yeah, the, the one that we thought that they were going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what happens now with this team? Now they they really. Uh, they're they're in the wild card spot, but their division's freaking awesome. So uh, they separated themselves from the bottom of the division and the bottom of the conference, but they're really no better off than they were before the streak started, except for the fact that they kept pace with every other team that was on fire at the same time. Yeah, well, the good news is is that because of all the points they banked during this run, 
Like they don't all they really need to be the rest of the way is is good. They don't really need another great run. It'd be nice. I'd love to see another winning streak, another long winning streak. But I think as long as they finish like a you know finish the rest of the way like a little over five hundred, they should be able to make the playoffs. And that's that's a nice feeling to have because for the last what three four years, like it seems like every time you hit February, you're terrified they might not make the playoffs. You and have to win basically yeah, out to yeah, make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, and and this year, like they've now positioned themselves that unless they go into like a January swoon, that they're not locked in by any means, but they have a pretty comfortable edge, which is a nice change of pace for Flyers fans. It sure is. I saw uh, if uh, if they get to uh, eight points in the next seven games, I think, they will be at the halfway point on pace for 100 points. So they've set themselves up for uh, like a great season. Like If you keep building on what you did, you can have a very, very good season. And... Coming into this year, I did not look at this as a 100-point team. With loser points, it's not quite, you know, what it was, 100 points. But, you know, They got a tough run of games coming up, though. Mostly they, against Metro. They do, teams, yeah. So it's I mean, going to be. Even next week against uh, St. Louis and San Jose, I mean, that's going to be hard. And then yeah. you get and you get the Metro, and you get Washington, you get Pittsburgh again, you get Columbus, who apparently is good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just like, what is happening there? I don't understand, I don't understand what's going on there. This it's Tortorella, Jack Adams award winner right there. It's happening. He, I mean, at this point, he very well might win the Jack Adams. He absolutely is. <laughs> it's is, already over. This is Donald Trump's <laughs> America. John Tortorella is the best American coach in hockey. It's all What is happening? Over. He was trolling everybody with that Team USA performance. It's he did that on purpose. Mm. And the bizarre thing it is, worked. too, is like he's... The, it's... It's not just, like, it's not just a fluke. Like he's making smart decisions. Like I broke down a couple of days ago about Sam Gagne. I believe that he like he's using Sam Gagne brilliantly. He's using him as a fourth line winger and putting him on the power play. Like how many teams put fourth line wingers on their top power play? Listen, unit? I picked Very that guy few. up in fantasy hockey, and, and that was a smart move. <laughs> would you rather? Would you rather Sam Gagne for six hundred k or? Dale Weiss for 2.35 in four years. Well, I mean, obviously, I'd rather have Gagne. <laughs> but at the same time, the Flyers would not be using him the way that... The Flyers would not be using Gagne the way that Columbus is using Gagne. Because the Flyers would be using Gagne the same way they did last year, which is he has to be in the top nine or else he's getting scratched because we have to have the Belmar line because, God, I mean, <laughs> what will we do without the Belmar line? And Everything he, ne- and, and he never would have been used on the, the top power play unit, because so the wait, top, which is understandable because the top power yeah, play I mean, unit is amazing. He doesn't belong there. Yeah. So are you... Uh, are, is John Tortorella a more progressive coach than Dave Haxtell? Um, mm. I, I mean, this year, Tortorella's been doing yeah. some cool things. Is he more progressive overall? No, I mean, I, I do think, I still think that Haxtell's systems are better than Tortorella's, even though Tortorella's systems, for some reason, have been ridiculously effective this year. But in some ways, you know, I never, I never thought Tortorella would use the fourth line as like, a second, third line ever. Well, he wanted the Sedins to block more shots. That was the team's yeah, problem when he was there. So you know what? You like, started thinking maybe he was just a caveman with a club. Some you, you can you can get like smarter. You can improve. And I, I mean, I they say you can't can, like can't teach an old dog new tricks. Sometimes you can. Let's let's use the the theories behind advanced stats here. So this is the outlier season, right? This is the one that he's being successful and he's apparently doing good things. This cannot last. It's fair. He also is Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones, and that really helps. That does help. It, it yeah, does help. Doesn't but hurt. but this, this cannot last, and he can't be this good. He can't be this good. The team can't be this good. I, he's not this good, but I didn't think, like, I didn't think Columbus would even be a 50% possession team. And they're, like, at least over the last, like, month and a half, they're, like, 52, 53. Like, they're really, really solid. And that doesn't strike me as totally fluky. Like, if they were just, if this was purely just them winning because Bobrovsky was standing on his head, which he is, and that's helping too, and then them shooting at a ridiculously high shooting percentage, I'd say, like, oh, yeah, this is just Tortorella and his team is playing over their head. But they're... The underlying numbers are good, too. That's what's so bizarre about it. Unless maybe getting canned a bunch of times made him rethink some things. I mean, it's possible. You have to think. I mean, uh, we say it all the time. You have to assume that an NHL coach is smarter than all of us. It's what they do for a living. So you have to think. I refuse to acknowledge I absolutely refuse to believe that. (laughs) You know, maybe John Tortorella hopped on Twitter one day and said, hey, maybe there's something to these advanced stats nerds, and he learned some stuff, and now he's making smart decisions. Maybe he's dead, and he's just a puppet. Mm. No, I've got, I have the answer. Okay. 
Aliens. Oh, it's like Westworld. <laughs> he's a Westworld he's robot. A, he's a host. He got replaced by a of host. Himself. Yeah. Right. I have to watch that show. Okay, you should. It's good. Uh, I don't so Wayne Simmons, <laughs> Wayne Simmons was quoted as saying after the streak ended, it's all about how the Flyers respond. They are 0-1-1 since the streak ended. How have they responded? They haven't played bad. No, they haven't played, played great. Yeah, they've been okay. They the way they've played. I mean, the past, it's two games. Yeah, but the, the way they played the past games. two games isn't that different than the way they played a lot of the games in the streak. It's just they didn't get the bounces. Um, you know, Pecorino had an awesome game uh, on. Um, I guess it would be Monday night because you'll probably listen to this on Wednesday. Again, yeah. yeah. Um, so Rene was awesome, and he probably was the main reason why Nashville won the game. And then on uh, on Saturday, that game really could have went either way. Like the Flyers could have easily tied it at the end rather than give up a, you know, an empty net goal. These are just the bounces that were going the Flyers way during those two weeks and didn't go their way now. And it's going to happen. The team's not going to, in my opinion, get good again in terms of like overall performance until you get Couturier and Reed back. This could be that correction. You know, because we were all looking at it like, Oh man, no, (laughs) no Couturier. And they won 10 in a row. This is, I don't really what, know what's happening. I don't here. really know how, they're, especially after last season when, like, we all had our oh for the Couturier haters, look at their record oh, when yeah, he's they, out of the lineup. Apart, yeah, yeah, and they, they were absolutely terrible. Not a single one of us would be a braggart like that. Not a no. single one. <laughs> but uh, so, and, I thought, especially the game on Saturday against Dallas, they very much looked like a team who had gotten the bounces for ten games in a row. And it just wasn't happening that day. Like yeah. they, Wayne Gretzky could have been on the Flyers that night, and it just wasn't. Yeah. It just wasn't happening. Yeah, I guess mid afternoon. Hockey's a weird sport. Like, there's a reason why they play 82 games because sometimes you get on. Like, sometimes you just get unlucky. They like wear weapons on their feet. Like what is happening? It's weird. <laughs> it's a piece of rubber sliding around on the ice. Like sometimes weird things are going to happen with it. <laughs> I'm actually glad they broke the streak before Couturier came back because my biggest fear was <laughs> oh that he was going to come back and they were going to lose and then everything was going to get friggin' weird. And I was going to have to talk about it on this yeah, show. Yeah, and it was going to be like, oh, we can't have Couturier in the lineup. Look what happened. But, Losing uh, games now. Bad, bad hockey when player. Were yeah, we, ruining when, everything. When were we last updated on Couturier? Charlie, you wrote here, uh, he's skating and traveling with the team. Yeah, he went Maybe the- right after Christmas he'll be back. Yeah, he went on the trip, which was actually kind of weird. Like they took him on the last road trip, and he just kind of skated. We're like, <laughs> was like, well, is he going to come back early? Nah, he's just he's just here to skate. Like, okay, well, why'd you take him on a road trip? But he doesn't like to sleep alone. <laughs> but <laughs> they did. Um, the the talk is is that the best case scenario he'll be back that first game after Christmas, which I believe is against St. Louis. But Hextall did apparently say that the most likely scenario is that. All of the injured guys will be back like right around the start of 2017. So that would be Couturier, Reed, Streit, and Neuvert, who Neuvert's had a, a much longer recovery period than anybody I think thought he was going to because he had a four to six week period too, same as Couturier, and they're looking like they're going to come back around the same time. How much earlier was Neuvert's injury? I think Neuvert was thought he might be back like mid December. And he just like I guess that it's sounds just not, familiar. Yeah, I guess it's just yeah. not healing as fast because he had a knee problem. I guess it's just not healing as fast as they thought. I w- I don't want to rush him. When yeah. new when Steve Mason is playing this well, when he's clearly taken over as the number one goalie, and a goaltender's knees and groins, their injuries just can be nagging. They can last full seasons. Like if Neuvert comes back, and it's like. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna be out like another two weeks. He, like that wouldn't surprise me at all. So why rush him? So I pulled my groin for the first time ever in my life. When a, a couple weeks ago, and granted, it was sitting Doing down. What? I was sitting down. Uh, Giggity. I had I had wine in my hand in both hands and sat down wrong, and I just <laughs> didn't realize like that's really fucking painful. <laughs> like that's a fun place. That hurts a lot. Yeah. And you, it's like one of those muscles that you like use way more than you think you do. Like as soon as it's hurt, you're like, oh, every time I move my body, <laughs> I didn't even I'm know, hurting myself. Like, I didn't even know what, like how I could describe where I hurt myself. I'm like, oh, oh, that's the groin. Like I guess, <laughs> like, like I didn't, even, I didn't. It, it's like the inside of your leg, and I, I, I hurt my junk. <laughs> I have a boo boo. <laughs> yeah, but you see, with a, a goalie like Bobrovsky, who's just carrying Columbus right now. He's always been very good. He's struggled with injuries throughout his yeah. career, and that kind of stuff can nag. Knees, groins. It's where all your power comes from. In today's NHL, every goalie is a butterfly goalie. You can't push off at all without that stuff. I can't I can't see 
a good reason to rush Neuvert. Especially, I mean, Mason's fine, and Stolarz yeah, totally has looked fine. like yeah, Stolarz has been dirt, a, a definitely, definitely serviceable. Yeah. yeah, he's a serviceable backup goaltender. So mm. there's there's really uh, there's re- really no need to rush him. But when Couturier does come back, this is mostly this is a preemptive. Dave Haxtall, what are you doing? Oh God! Uh, oh God! Oh God! Help me! What are we going? Segment. What are we going to be looking at when Couturier and Reed are both back? That's a really interesting question because there's just there's it's all about Braden. Well, Shen. there's so many possibilities, and like Braden Shen then comes into it. the The key to the whole thing really is what you're going to do with the first line. Like, do you keep Raffle, Drew, Voracek together, or do you split them back up the way they were split up for most of the season when Couturier was healthy? And I'd keep the first line together. I think they've been great, and I think you can build a strong enough um, second, third, fourth line without them as long as you have Couturier in the lineup that you don't need to bring like a Voracek down. But we'll see what they'll do. I, that's just that's just my personal opinion because I like what I've seen out of that top line so much. I really like the top line, um, but if I was going to make a change, it wouldn't be to to move Michael Raffle. No. It, it, that, I'd keep so him. So you move Voracek down? I'd move this Voracek is, down. That's fair. This is how you maximize Michael Raffle now, but I think to keep him there, you're also committing to keeping Voracek there because I think to get the most out of both Giroux and Raffle, you need that trio. It's it's that trio that works for me. And yeah. Like, I was just messing around with what, like, I thought the lines could be and the different options with Shen and Voracek and everything, and... This looks like the best possible top line. Uh, it's what, what else do you got? Run them by me. Well, one intriguing idea, and you kind of, like, by leading into saying Voracek could go down, I mean, I would be very interested to see a raffle giroux connecting top line. That, oh. that, that, would, that would be pretty oh, neat. Oh, God. <laughs> My heart just stopped. That, that would be amazing. It's a moment, everyone. <laughs> Give me a second. That, that would be amazing. I mean, because Konecti can play both sides. He's been playing the left mostly, but that's just because they need left wingers. Yeah. I've wanted to see him on the right, right quite yeah. honestly. Yeah. Uh, the question is then what do you do with Simmons? Because Simmons can only play the right. Mm. Yeah, and... Simmons, I really like the Simmons and Konechny pairing, if for no other reason than my, you know, my old school hockey brain thinks, Konechny's a little guy. If somebody cross-checks him into the head, I want Simmons out there to I, beat them to death. I, I don't no. disagree, and I'm, yeah, I'm not an old school hockey guy because they've been <laughs> taking runs at Simmons, at, at Konechny. Yeah. And, yeah, they have. And that would be my strategy if I was, was a coach. Ridiculous. I would say, go hit the little guy. Like, yeah. It's pretty clear what teams do to Johnny Goudreau in the Flames. Yeah, slash his hands. So, now the question I have is, what do, what do we do about uh, Taylor Lear? Do you think he stays in the lineup? I'd love to see him stay in the lineup, but I just, I would like I, I just don't no envision. Way, right? Yeah, there's I don't no envision way. a scenario where he stays unless people start getting hurt. But they just cause, because because I mean, we must keep one of Chris Vandevelde, Dale Weiss, and what's his face Gordon. What's his face Gordon? What's his face Gordon? I, I think <laughs> a great name for him. I, yeah, it's, that's, that's, that's I forget bad. he's that's on the team. That's actually what we should call him. <laughs> I'd like to make this point about about Gordon and. All, all respect to the guy, but like one of the funniest parts of this like lead up to Christmas has been that that Santa sack commercial. Yeah, and like the little girl basically says like, hey, I hope you're better at wrapping presents than playing hockey, and it immediately cuts to Boy Gordon, and it's like, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I can't, I can't put my finger on what, what does Boy Gordon do? Hmm, good question. What would you say you he do does here? here? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't like I've never there's. I guess it's he's good. He's good at face-offs, right? I guess Isn't it's good because he doesn't he doesn't fail and stand out the way like like an Andrew McDonald may. But he's good now, by the way. Maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> like I can't imagine uh, I've never seen a guy who's been on the Flyers and he's only played a, you know 10 games or something this year. But when he's in the lineup, you don't hear his name at all. Like I'm like where's where's Lear tonight? Oh, he's scratched for what what? Why? Oh, Who? Well, Who? he doesn't play much. And, He's played over 10 minutes one time. Yeah, the, the the way that they clearly envisioned him working on the team was he was going to be like the guy who took defensive zone draws sometimes at 5-on-5 five five and then played a lot on the penalty code. I, and I, I, I talked to somebody who basically off the record had said that like, look, they know Boyd Gordon isn't that good at 5-on-5 five five anymore. Like, they get it. They're not, they're not stupid. They know he's not a very good 5-on-5 five five player. They want to use him as a specialty guy. And... He just wasn't even that good at that. Like he hasn't he hasn't been a good penalty killer this year. And like that was what they paid him 
to do. They wanted him to be the penalty kill guy, to be the guy who takes face-offs on the side that Giroux used to to keep some of the pressure off oh, him. Oh, that's and, right. And Gordon, that's what he does. Yeah, and Gordon just hasn't been good at, at penalty killing. He's so, been out of the lineup the whole season. He's but, the take pressure off yeah, Giroux take guy. Take pressure off Giroux guy. But, like, but not. But not. Yeah. Actually, a bunch of other people have done that. Well, he played in the first few yeah, in yeah. the first few games and was awful. And the penalty, on the penalty kill, kill was dreadful. Yeah, it was awful. It was so the I, worst in the league. It's very possible that Hackstall and Hextall just kind of realized, like, okay, well, we got this guy to help the penalty kill. He's making the penalty kill worse. Okay, whatever. Charlie, who'd you talk to off the record? No one's listening. You can tell me. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I actually know because Charlie and I had a, a very but, interesting talk I, over I, the bridge one. I put you up chatting I, uh, after the show. I, <laughs> I, I listed curious. my ideal lines here, and I did it with the idea that I know Chris Vandevelde's not coming out of the lineup, so I had to include him because that's I, I, I would just be living in fantasy land if I was like, yeah, keep Taylor Lear in for Vandevelde because. It's not happening. It's what Bill the coach would do, but Bill isn't the coach. So I have to try to, like, okay, of the group that's going to be out there, what do I want to see? And it's Raffle, Drew Voracek, Konechny, Couturier, Simmons, Reed, Shen, Weiss. You got it right that Yes! Stuff. I I practiced Weiss all for, day. First time, because you got it wrong the other time you said it. <laughs> Vandevelde, Belmar, Libamov. That's what I want to see. I, that's not at all what I want to see. I mean, if, if that's the ideal, I mean, I, I get that that's probably the best way to use these players, but if I'm talking ideal lineup, Vandevelde and Belmar and Weiss are not in it. But that's what they have right now. I guess, yeah, I, I mean, I guess Taylor I can see Lear. what he's saying is that we know that Hack isn't going to take yeah. those guys out. I so get it too. If I just these are the like guys it. we're definitely going to see, I mean, I'm not, I don't hate that. Line I would yeah. probably swap Weiss and Libamov, honestly, but yeah. it's I, taken Libamov this long just to get on the ice. I love you know. him. Yeah, he's and, and, so good. I love our little Lubby. Yeah, Lubby. Lubby's <laughs> been him. awesome. Lubby is just such a good forechecker. It's ridiculous. He's by far the best forechecker on the team. Relentless. It's, it's yeah. nuts how good he is at just creating havoc below the red line, down low in the corners. It's it's awesome, and to to think that like it's just funny because. When they pull these guys out of you know out of Russia, there's that bias of like, oh well, they're finesse players. And Lubimov is like the exact opposite of a finesse player. Like he, they just, probably he probably came here because they're like, you're trying too hard, bro. You're making Ilya look bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I agree with that I think these That's these four lines. Joke. I'm not just making a random Russian name. I was about Ilya Kovalchuk. Thanks, Bob. Oh God, Thank we you. all knew that. <laughs> now it's not funny. I'm putting it out there. All because, right. Uh, I, I make a lot of. Statements about Russia. <laughs> he actually does. Calm, I think that's, dirty, that's commies. Fair. Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. Oh well, then then he just keeps going and ruins it. <laughs> but uh, I, Bill, I agree. I think these are probably the best realistic line combinations yeah. because, no, like Jordan Wheel and Taylor Lear in my I, dream lineup. Yeah, but that's not happening. Yeah, I mean, I'd so. rather have Lear in the lineup than than Vandevelde. Um, even though, in all honesty, and as much as we rag on Vandevelde, like he hasn't been bad this year. No, he really hasn't. He's been fine. He's just not a good player. Yeah, like I don't. He's I, a replacement level. I, I don't liner. expect him to continue playing this well, and they, even this well isn't that good. But he's been fine, so I can't give him too much crap because he's been useful this year to a degree, and that's all you really expect from a fourth liner. But um, I agree. I agree. The the Rafael Drew Voracek line. I want to keep that together. I like the connecting uh, connecting Simmons idea. And the thing with Shen is that I don't love him at center. But if you're going to put him at center, I'd like to put him with two guys who drive play. And it seems like Reed and Weiss can do that. And Haxtell loves the the Vandevelde Belmar Lubimov. I don't center. love Shen at center, but I like him playing in the middle of the ice on offense. That's where he's effective. So that's where he has to be. Yeah, and, 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 it, why and there's no other center. Well, it just comes down to Cousins. Cousins is the yeah. only guy that's that's sort of oh. low. What happened? Is he is he on the team still? He's, he's playing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Actually, actually. Yeah, he had the assist on the Taylor Lear goal. He's uh, kind of dropped off. And How about to that? Two two little baby phantoms. Yeah. That's uh, where I wanted to go next. And we were talking about it looked like a correction was coming. I thought. And you kind of saw it in that Dallas game. And yeah, the Flyers have the sixth highest shooting percentage in the league at 9.7. Uh, they were shooting at a pretty good rate uh, during the streak. And, of course, over the last two games, Andrew McDonald and Taylor Lear have the only two goals on quick math here. 64 shots on net. So... Uh, not that good. Is that good? That's just the way no. it goes, I guess. That's not sounds good. bad. A third seems, liner getting his bad. first career goal and Andrew McDonald. Uh, that's Those are the only goals over the last two nights. All-star game. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so, like, that's just what no, happens the, when a streak ends, I guess. It, it happens because they were shooting at a really high rate when they were winning. And are the Flyers going to 
keep shooting 9.7%? Probably not. It's it's possible. For a team with no snipers, that seems high. It, what The one thing that does help them, though, is how much time they spend on the power play. Sure. And that does inflate their shooting percentage because you shoot at a higher rate on the power play. However, they also take a lot of point shots, and point shots do not succeed at a very high rate. So I kind of see them probably falling somewhere Here's in the middle, my question. Of the, middle of the pack by the I, end I have it. a real quick statistical question for you, Charlie. Okay. Um, Wayne Simmons is standing in front of the net. Shane Gossespierre rips a slap shot, and it hits Wayne Simmons' stick and deflects into the goal. Is that a shot by Wayne Simmons? Yeah. Yeah. That's not a shot, though. But it counts. Really? But because what else are you going to do? I mean, it count, if they're going to count, count as a goal, two, you got to count as a yeah, shot. I would, have two, yeah. I would have two separate statistics. Yeah, I mean, technically, if you were tracking it, like yeah. the Gosses Bear shot would be counted as like a shot assist, yes. and okay. then Simmons's deflection would be a shot. I agree; okay. it's not it's not clean, that's, but that's just, the, well, yeah, that's, it's the only way it really makes sense. I was right? looking at it; I was like, Simmons' shooting percentage should be like fifty percent because yeah. none of his goals are actually on shots. <laughs> like he would have more goals than shots at the end of the year. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I, I just I just wanted to ask about that. And also, Simmons only has one goal in his last six. He's going to have two before Christmas. He's going to have at least two more before Christmas. Bank that is my folks. official prediction of the show tonight. It's probably a, oh. it's a good bet. I mean, I can see him scoring once I mean, against Caps. Bill Matz calls out a player, and that player responds. So It's just how it goes. That's just how it goes. I'm just great at predicting Simmons' goals. <laughs> I'm, I'm, They're spiritually connected. I've seen, I've seen a lot. of. I've stared a long time at his game logs. He's getting two. Mm. Yeah, just, 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 just the game at. logs. <laughs> <laughs> some some kind of log. Uh <laughs> All right! Wow, ladies and flyers after dark. <laughs> so, uh, Charlie, you brought up something. You brought up something uh, that's been uh, a real surprise for me because the penalty kill has been so bad now for like two seasons. Yeah, they've been really good recently. Yeah, no, that was that. In my mind, was like the most underrated part of um, a part of the the run. In addition to the fact they just weren't taking that many penalties, when they did take penalties, they weren't giving up goals. And it's funny because you're right. For the last two years, their penalty kills been really bad, and now they're up to 11th. They have an 82.8% rate, which would be their best since uh, 2013 uh, when they were at about 85. So not as good as what they were, but you're you're moving up. And really, the underlying metrics aren't bad. Uh, what, you, what you do see is you see a uh, kind of what seems like a strategic – it hints at a strategic plan of, of keeping guys out of the slot and keeping guys away from the high danger areas because in overall shot attempts against their 17th in unblocked attempts their 15th against but then you look at how many shots on goal they give up and then how many expected goals they give up and they're seventh in the league in shots on goal against and then they're ninth in the league in expected goals against so now you know you're, you're looking at a team that maybe gives up shots but gives up more shots to the outside which isn't a bad strategy for a penalty kill and it I track the penalty kill, and it does seem like the forecheck and the neutral zone is getting better. They're not letting teams in the zone as much, and they're also allowing less shots once the team gets set up, uh, which could be a result of the pressure they're putting on this year on the outsides of the points, which they didn't do last year. Um, are the Is the penalty kill going to stay around this rate? I don't know. I don't think it's as bad as it was last year, and that really was the key. Like It didn't need to be elite. Although that would be nice, and I think they could go a long way by giving more minutes to guys like Drew and Katuri when they're healthy to make it elite. But I think it can be can be useful, and that's a, as I said, big improvement over the last two years. And we talked about this a few shows ago in terms of Steve Mason's shorthanded save percentage. It was really bad, and it's been good this and year. Now well, it's, he is not it's, elite. So. It is bouncing back. So it's when actually you're, bad. <laughs> He's good, not great, actually. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> That was who was that? Was that Milbury? Milbury. It was Milbury. Oh, yeah. Mike Milbury oh, butthole. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's keeping keeping guys from getting the high danger scoring chances and Mason not having like the worst five on four save percentage in the league. Those things have contributed. Oh, it helps. It helps. And you and you mentioned in our in our outline Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons mm. is looking like a really good penalty killer, which has been an awesome development. And, and how many shorthanded goals does Wayne Simmons have? How many did he have? Like two, two or three? I believe. Two, I think. two? Okay. And he's had a couple, yeah. But he's been he's been great. And another another way that people have recently tried to like judge penalty kills is 
uh, accounting for deployment. Um, Prashanthier, who uh, who writes for Hockey Graphs and also is a, a Wings fan, he writes for Winging It in Motown. It's another SB Nation blog. He basically did an analysis and he too came, long a name. Winging It in Motown. Winging It in Motown. Yeah, Brush Street Hockey is way better. It is. Um, it's the best blog name on the SB Nation network, without question. Oh, Just no, Winging It. No be question. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, basically, he was able to come up with like a formula that allows you to see if a player does a better job than expected considering his deployment in preventing shots. And there are four flyers so far this year who have done a better job than expected. And they are, shocker, Wayne Simmons, Claude Giroux, Sean Gattari, and then here's the the surprise, Brandon Manning. Four best players on the team. So you have... Well, let's do something crazy here. <laughs> <laughs> if you thought you were going to slide that in without anybody, you can't anybody argue with science, Stephanie. <laughs> but like you do have the three most talented forwards that kill penalties are in that that you know four some whatever you would call it and then uh and then you have Brandon Manning who I mean I'm looking at that I'm going to keep a closer eye on him on the penalty kill moving forward because maybe he's actually good at it I don't know he I mean it seemed maybe maybe it seemed like the kind of guy he was when you were assessing his game before the start of this year when people started th- maybe he's actually a good player like it seemed like he was a penalty kill specialist kind of defenseman a physical guy with an active stick, uh, not you know, maybe not your prototypical top six defenseman, but someone who could be effective on the penalty kill. Yeah, he's been useful this year. I don't have any specific issues with Brandon Manning. He's I don't think he's anything special, but he's been he's been fine. <laughs> Charlie hates him. Uh, <laughs> Brandon Manning, fine and good. What? <laughs> right. What is the matter? With Shane Gostisbehere. Nothing. nothing. Oh, boy. Charlie, tell us it's nothing, because it's nothing. It's Andrew McDonald. Yes, well, that. Well, that's what's wrong with all Ivan Provorov, and Ivan Provorov looks matter. like a number one defenseman. Despite matter. being with Andrew McDonald. No, it, this actually is something that really does tick me off, because <laughs> I think it's just... Do you it, like how I trolled you guys with the stats? A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> well, and not, not only, so not only did you troll us with the stats, which for everyone who's not... Looking at this, the show sheet right now only has two more goals and three more assists than Andrew McDonald in six more games. And, and I like that Stephanie noted that it fills her with rage. Yeah, it fills her with rage. <laughs> and then Bill's response was, same. I was hoping for more out of him. Hopefully oh, he gets boy. it together. And then he follows it up with, do we believe him to be 100% healthy? Yes, oh, he's healthy. strong he's troll fine. game. He's fine. Just asking questions. I'm just asking questions. I think what bothers me, and again, like... I hate you. <laughs> what bothers me about the people that are, they get angry at Gossip Bear this year or frustrated with them is that it's just I feel like I'm watching a different game than they are because in so many ways I'm are. watching Gossip Bear and I'm seeing a guy who's improved in so many ways. I mentioned in my observations he's got so much better at helping out on the forecheck and the offensive zone, keeping pucks alive. He's driving play significantly better than last year, and that's not just because he's away from McDonald for a significant portion of time. Like he was still doing okay or even like with McDonald relatively speaking I think with McDonald he's got like a 51% Corsi which ain't bad considering it's with Andrew McDonald and breaking down his his other numbers <coughs> so what's he doing wrong is he is he shooting less not a 5 on 5 he's shooting more at 5 on 5 he's got 5.1 shots per 60 this year versus 4.6 last year is he taking worse shots this year at 5 on 5 nope no not really he's got a higher individual expected goals per 60 rate at 5-on-5 than he did last year. He's scoring the same on the power play. Exactly the same in terms of rate. So 4.33 points per 60 this year, 4.30 points per 60 last year. So what's the difference? It's 5-on-5 scoring, and the problem with that is that the Flyers just aren't scoring at 5-on-5 when he's on the ice, and a lot of that is just purely the bounce is not going his way. That's the gap. And last year, Gossiper, I think, shot like you know 10-11%. Yeah. But as a defenseman, you're not going to keep doing that because you're. I saw a stat in the beginning of the year, like the only defenseman who played a full season shot at like ten or eleven percent and had fifteen or more goals. Like it's happened once since like 1975. Yeah, like it doesn't happen. Yeah, that's the thing that always worried me about Ghost heading into the season is that he was never going to live up to what he did last year. So everything was going to be a letdown, and everyone was going to make a big deal out of it. Instead of acknowledging that what happened last year was insanity. Yeah. yeah. I also, I think that even if he had the same exact production this year that he had last year, it wouldn't be a big deal because last year he was a rookie and nobody expected this from him. 
Including right. like the team's general no manager yeah. who was well, like, ah, maybe he's ready. And he's, yeah. he's and out there winning games for him, like making us, ridiculous plays. Like, all of us who we've already determined smarter than anybody. Well, yeah, that's true. Sure. In yeah. the front office. Oh, oh yeah, of course. Not we're, we're, we're so intelligent. Definitely in Vancouver. Did you just call me dumb? No, I was calling myself dumb. Guys. You're smart. <laughs> I do. That's I talked far. about uh, before how I wanted to see Konechny get some time on the uh, on the top power play unit because I would like to see more movement uh, on that side between Voracek, Ghost, and uh, and then Konechny. I thought those three could could uh, like have a lot more switching, give each other a lot more options and release points. And I saw something last night that I really liked. And it was Ghost and Giroux switching a lot during the five on three. And Grant, it's it's five on three, so you you can put guys in positions they're not as comfortable in because you have more time and space. But I like the idea of getting Ghost closer to the slot, having Giroux uh, drawing a defender out that way, and just giving defenses different looks. And it's something I would like to see. What 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 face are you making at me, Hinkle? I'm smiling at your very intelligent and thoughtful observations, William. Okay. Okay. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if one of the reasons why that came across like so naturally in the game is because of the chemistry they've built up at three on three. Because I feel like there are a lot of similarities to like five on threes and three on threes. You have that constant motion. Yeah. yeah, you have space. You have that constant motion. And that's what they do when they're cycling on a three on three because you have usually Drew Voracek and Gossis Bear. So they just sort of know how to fill in gaps when there's more space. Does yeah. anyone know what time it was when we started? I, I It was like 7 7.15. 7.15. Okay. I'm just, I'm looking at the clock and I was like, I have honestly no idea. I think it's time. It's time to get to the babies. It is? Maybe it's I don't know. Time for Steph to tell us all about you the are baby. Steph, a Phantoms expert. I I am, and um, they won Saturday. It Woo! was it was good. Awesome. <laughs> and, She's not the best color guy in the league for nothing, folks. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Well, because I'm a girl. Touche. Um, <laughs> Travis Sanheim and Sam Moran are amazing together, and Travis Sanheim is a big boy, and that was it. We, Seriously though, I, I'm I am curious. Like, how do they look as a pair? Amazing. Like, so they they just like they're constantly on the attack. Yeah, they. That's awesome. It, and it, I I can't even just, <laughs> I can't articulate my feelings because they just looked phenomenal. So my theory that Sam Moran is the bust of Wrong. the group. Okay. Wrong. Okay. It. I think I think it might be Robert Haig. Mm. How did he look? Did he? He's play? been the bust. He, he did he? play, and he that's did, the thing. He I never even included too. him. Like he in lo- the group. He looked good too. I know yeah. Tony's but, been saying that he's looked good. Uh, I think Tim Reday has said that he's been impressed with Haig this year. It just I just don't know if there's space for him. I don't know point. whether there is either, and I don't know if there's space for his skill set. And I don't know whether his skill set would. Translate I'm never getting rid of Radko Gudis. So to the NHL, Radko's good. I know he is good. So, I, mean, I, I would never getting. He's rid not of being it. crazy this year either. Well, knock on wood, which is kind of a bummer. Well, but I miss. I well, miss a little bit of the crazy. I wish, yeah, I wish he happen. was a little more crazy. But like, I like that he's not getting suspended. That's good. I was gonna say, here comes the next six game suspension, <laughs> yeah, courtesy we, of Bill Matz. Oh, and his he's big gonna mouth. he's gonna two hand somebody over there. <laughs> <laughs> that Tomorrow, was, there it is. That Washington game's gonna get yeah, out. Yeah, look hand out. He's gonna bite Ovechkin's ear well, off. I mean, I mean if, if it has to be anybody, can it please be Wilson? Uh, our noted rivals, the I Washington re- Capitals. I Simmons actually, said we owe him. Simmons said true. we owe him. We owe him something. We gotta get him back for that playoff series. I actually <laughs> did have something insightful to say about the game, other than it was good. Okay, so I, I'm a noted Scott Law. Lawton hater hater like there's yeah. no other way to put it I'm, I'm not a, sugarcoat it I'm a Scott Lawton hater I just thought you were afraid of him no no, no. I want to be his best friend and help him hide bodies oh, okay but he, he just doesn't want to play not that on game the team. with me yeah okay um, you can't let more people in haven't well, you ever seen Dexter the more people true. in the circle the more risk you run mm-hmm. yeah but you know then he could kill me too and it'll be fine um mm-hmm. let us put us all out of our Go misery on. anyway <laughs> So I, I'm a Scott Lawton hater. I don't think that he belongs on the Flyers, but watching him on the ice with the Phantoms. Now, granted, they won the game 7-1 against the baby Bruins. So it, it was kind of, I mean, it was a blowout, but he is too good for the AHL. Like he just, he looked like he was at practice and just shooting and they were going in yeah i think I, I he's think for sure an nhl player yeah. like i don't know that anyone has ever argued that i just think and i've thought this for a long time <laughs> there's just nowhere for him in this organization it's not really even a knock against him we just don't have room for him so why not 
Especially send him somewhere while this organization continues to put a premium on guys like exactly. Chris Vandevelde. Yeah, well, yeah. Over a a guy, you you can teach somebody to do what Chris Vandevelde does. You can like, teach, and a, then he could like also any inanimate also, carbon yeah, rod it, like, to do what Chris Vandevelde. And then does. be like Lawton, you also have more skills. So yeah. when there isn't somebody in front of yeah. you, carry the puck over the red line. Like, it, like you could yeah. teach a guy to just be like. Hey, uh, go run into somebody, and then when when you get the puck at the red line, dump it and get off. Like you could teach him to do that, yeah. and then take advantage of the chances when he gets them. But this organization seems to put stock into players who will do exactly what the coach says every time. Yeah, but like I get why Lawton is the call up every single time because he is too good for right. that level of competition. I don't think he's getting anything more playing down there. I don't so, think it's hurting his development, but I don't think he's getting anything out of it did jordan wheel look the same kind of head and shoulders above or does he just look he, like a good ahl yeah, player it, it, yes and and no i mean yeah. he's, he's quick and he again was just it, they all they all looked like they were at practice just because the baby bruins were not that good and they were not prepared we were sitting right behind zach ronaldo like i could have i can't him. believe that guy <laughs> plays hockey <laughs> He tried to lay a he huge tries, hit. He tries. A he, he tried to lay a huge Last hit I on Moran. He didn't Moran, have a ton of penalty minutes. And I mean, he just Moran just kind of like shifted out of the way. Like it <laughs> oh. wasn't. It was. Well, what is Moran have? What like ten inches on him? Easily, at least. <laughs> easily. And like he's still friends with Scott Lawton, so they're just like chatting on the ice, and like that's cute. Remember that time he got suspended in two leagues at the same? Oh, time? Oh, that was the best. Yeah, I do it's remember that. I remember that. So Ronaldo. <laughs> so we also have more baby babies so the ones that aren't even in the ahl carter hart and phil myers are on the world junior team canada team they've made the roster uh carter hart had that shutout last night against team finland pre-tournament game uh this is gonna be fun world juniors it's gonna be a nice little break the flyers have a lot of players and like myers and hart are the big names because they're on canada and canada is obviously going to be one of the favorites to win but they've got um, they got Rupstov, the um, the Russian first round pick they took this past year. He's playing for Team Russia. Uh, Mikhail Verboyov, who was a fourth round pick a couple years ago, he's like supposedly going to be their first line center. Really? Yeah. That's not even a name that I know. Yeah, Me neither. He, he was I like never... a mid round pick. He's kind of one of the more under the radar prospects the Flyers guy, have. Like, but he's yeah. playing okay. in the. He's who would playing have in, to be if we didn't? Know yeah, who he he's playing in the KHL and he's doing pretty well. Okay. Um, he's like in his last year of eligibility, so he'll be he'll be getting a lot of ice time. Um, Sandstrom for uh, for Sweden, the goalies. So the Flyers have two starting goalies that are going to be in the tournament. That's pretty incredible. Um, I think Tanner Lazinski is going to make the team. He was like a sixth round pick last year. He's an American, so we'll have some a U.S. guy to cheer for. Him. USA. <laughs> um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting. Oh, I think uh, David Avakache is going to be in it for uh, with the Czechs. And that's spelled K A S E, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, so I was. That's oh, really how you pronounce. I know. It? I was way off. I've just been calling him David Case. 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 Yeah, time. me Case. too. I might be a little bit off too. But I think I'm close in because, because, because I remember Hextall saying it once to us. <laughs> so wait, is is it nuts to be excited about Carter Hart? No, he's he looks he's ridiculous. Super again. good, right? Although it's I I hope he plays well because Canada has a tendency in the World Juniors to just like eviscerate their goalies. That's true. Like the because the Canadian fans the are the spirit. only yeah. people that care about the World Juniors. Right. So like they rip their goalies apart if they make like, one Canada little year, mistake, yes. their goalies get destroyed. However, if their goalie does well, then he becomes like the hero to end all heroes, yeah. and they never stop talking about. It. So if he does well, like we're gonna hear about Carter Hart constantly until he hits the. You know, That'll hits be the fun. So and cross many, your fingers that he plays well. <laughs> how many years away are we? Uh... Thinking Carter Hart maybe from goalies just four, four five yeah. goalies four develop five, weird. Maybe. Like, they do. No, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, and he's dominant right now, and you have no idea. Yeah, like I, I would think the best case scenario would be best Kache scenario. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Nice <laughs> 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 time. It took me a second. Nice time. Funny. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I would think the best case scenario is that when he's twenty he makes the team out of camp. So that would be not next year, but the year after. Really? That would be like the absolute best case. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. But like that would be the year he goes pro. So he would be going to the Phantoms anyway, and then maybe he plays so well that he... But know, right now, he's better than Stoli was at this point. Like oh, that. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, okay, yeah. Right. And Stoli was good. Right. Don't get me but wrong. Just nothing like Not this. as yeah. good, no. That uh, makes me really this happy. was a, a... Looking at what the Flyers had in their system, 
when Hart was still on the board, Hextall was like, this was just one of those picks you don't pass up. Right. He was there. We had three picks in the second that, round. That I think was the you kick. You take the best goalie on the board when he's still there. Yeah, I think the key was the three picks. Yeah. I don't think he would have taken... I don't. Well, maybe he would have. It would have been harder to take a goalie in the second round had they not had three second round picks. Yeah. But they already got LeBurge. They who's I, back from concussion issues, God. right? Like yeah. he's playing yeah, again. He's playing again. That's good. And then they got Wade Allison, who's been really good for Western Michigan. They had a killer second round. Yeah. Definitely. I, I don't love the first round pick, but the second round. You're such a good. hater. I really am. Yeah. And that's just how it's going to The next go. Scott Lawton. I got to see what he's like off the Probably. dope. That's all. That's how, I, yeah. that's how I feel about him. And that's just how it's going to be until I'm in love with him like I am the rest of the babies. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I will say, though, I like as much as I'm excited about Carter Hart, and I am, like he looks like a really, really good juniors goalie, I'm even more excited about Phil Myers. Like I am, mm. I am extremely high on Phil Myers, and it he might, was crazy good in the uh, in preseason. And also, what was it? The uh, Memorial Cup. Yeah, Memorial yeah. Cup. Right? Yeah, he yeah. got to the finals. Right. With, uh, with I the love Huskers. how she was just finishing yeah. your sentences. It's like yeah, no. uh, the thing. But uh, no, he was great in preseason, great yeah. in camp, and I think what gets me excited about him is like there's such a very obvious spot for him to fill in the Flyers lineup because they don't have any right hand he's a right handed shot exactly he's a right handed shot and he's he's able while he does take risks and while he is offensively gifted like I could see him sliding in as the pair as the the you know defensive pair mate for Provorov and that be your top pair like if he pans out that would be like my dream how big is he He's big. He's like 6'5". Oh, I'm so happy. It's like, crazy. I like that, size and on it's, a defenseman. It's fun. Steph's a real size queen. Uh, it's it's crazy they were able to pull a guy like... like He, he was an undrafted yeah, guy. Yeah, he was undrafted. And that's wild. That, that was just a brilliant like brilliant scouting move because he just didn't get a lot of ice time or like opportunity with, uh, with his team, uh, with his team in the queue. And they just gave him a shot, and he showed up to uh, to camp on an invite, and apparently just killed it from day one. And Hexel was just like, "God, we got to get this guy locked up before somebody else figures it out." The Flyers scout really well. Like, I don't think it gets enough acknowledgement. It's just really good. Well, they've had they a hardly couple, ever like, bad years. Well, a couple. They've had a couple bad picks. Scott Lawton. I think since the, well, I think the big improvement for the Flyers over the last six, seven years. Is that they're finally starting to hit on mid to late round picks? Yeah, like they've always been really good with first round picks, but you were never seeing like the fifth round pick break out or a fourth round pick be really good. They've already got Gossis Bear, who is is Gossis Bear. Yeah, Lindblom is looking legit. He's one of the top scorers in the Swedish league at age twenty. So he he's going to be looks, our he, death. He looks. For he's sure. a fifth round pick. Yeah. Um, and then you got you know I mean Lear was a fourth round pick. Like they're getting useful guys in the mid to late rounds. And that's and why really for cool. years it was like the Flyers have, you know, the Legion of Doom and then nothing. Like they they were always a one. Yeah. Well, they uh, had to buy players yeah. and then when the yeah. cap hit, like when the salary cap went into place, they couldn't afford them anymore. <laughs> so we started uh, we started the show. Well, I actually had a question about okay. World Juniors. You ha- How young do you have to be to play in World Juniors? So it's, the, it's the under 20 tournament. So why are Konechny and Provorov not playing? Because the Flyers won't let them play. Yeah, is that what it is? They, they, they badly so, needed. Yeah, so they, uh, I think Team Canada specifically asked the Flyers if they could borrow Konechny. The Flyers said no chance. Okay. I, mean, I don't even know, <laughs> I don't even know if Russia forward. bothered. but Yeah. Well, I mean, that's they what could I was play. asking for. No, they could play. Like, there was one year where Anthony Duclair played with the Rangers for, like, 20 games in the beginning of the year, and then he was getting scratched, and team, I think Team Canada asked, like, hey, can, can we use him? And they were like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And he just wrecked everybody. I'm I'm actually looking up what NHL players are playing. So we uh we started the show uh talking about the one win the Flyers had since our last show and it was against Colorado. And uh Colorado is um um terrible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're not good. Well, there's that. They've good. got they're uh, they have an under 400 points percentage like Oof. that's hard to do in a league where you get a point just for not losing. <laughs> like in, regula- in regulation, but uh, so how do the Flyers get one of those forwards? How do they get Deshane Landis, Cogger, McKinnon? Perhaps they need Breeden a Shen. center. <laughs> I actually, I someone on Twitter uh, proposed, that trend like it's not proposed a Braden Shen for um. Someone proposed to Braden Shen. Uh, proposed to, oh. for Duquesne, and I was like, oh, I wouldn't do it, but. I, I, would I, mean, do I, I mean, I would. In a I, abs- I absolutely would. Yeah. I don't think Cal- Colorado would do it. I would do it. <laughs> you got to get them when they're down on themselves. Like, there's like a low self-esteem <laughs> situation over there. You just got to tell them they're pretty. Yep. 
Offer them Braden Shen. That's how it goes. Yeah. Gotta recognize Do you tell Braden Shen that he's pretty too? No. Oh. No. I mean, if you want to. Thank you. I look at what they have there. During the Flyers broadcast, they even like made a point to be like, you know, for the first time, uh, it's they, like Patrick Waugh quit and things just haven't worked out over there. And for the first time, Colorado, the organization is thinking, maybe we have to break up this core we assembled that we thought, you know, was what we were going to go forward with. And I look at, you know, Duchesne, Landis, Cog, and McKinnon and think, how do we pry one of them away? See, here's the problem, though. Like, Colorado, even if they're struggling, they're not stupid. They look at their team. They see yeah. that they have good forwards. Somebody's they see stupid. that their best prospects are um, are Tyson Jost, who's going to apparently dominate in the World Juniors this year. He, he was their first-round pick this year. And then uh, Mika Rantanen. They're both forwards. They need defense. Their defense right now is horrific. So if you want to oh. get, get one of those guys— they're going to be asking for Provorov or Gossespierre. Ew, or, get out of here. Or, they cannot okay, have them. No, oh, okay, okay. Or Travis Sanheim or cannot, Sam Moran not. or Phil Myers. Like how, that, about, how about a Robert Haig? Okay, that's not going to work. But what about that's a Robert Haig end? Like a Robert Haig plus. But plus that's who? Scott Lawton. Scott Lawton. Okay, now you're just trying to dump our trash exactly. off on other people. <laughs> Isn't that how NHL trades this work? This is how I propose we trades and fantasy players. We get players and our get good players back. This is Isn't how I propose trades and fantasy players. No, I would think if, if you want to if you want to make a, com- a compelling case that will get their attention, like you lead with Sanheim. And I don't even know I if that's enough, but like that's what starts a conversation. If you're leading with Robert Haig, they're hanging up. I I. Would, the thing is, though, okay, like, like realistically, okay, but realistically, are all of these kids that we have on D going to be on the Flyers? And, and realistically, can you afford to keep? Can you six afford to keep all of them? Probably not, right? So maybe at some point, you do have to choose which of them you're willing to part ways with, and you dangle them, and you get something good in return. Now, I'm I mean, saying, it's like a I, thing. I, I don't disagree. Yeah, I don't know if this is the right time to do it because. If you trade a Sanheim now, you're trading uncertainty, which is understandable. Like you right. don't know if he's going to pan out. We think he's going to pan out because we love Travis Sanheim. We don't know if he comes up in the NHL and does does well, and then you have four young guys that are have all proven themselves to be NHL caliber defensive. Then maybe that's when you trade one of them. Yeah. So it's it's hard. That's what's so hard about being a GM. You have to weigh value, future value versus present value and understanding the cap and understanding what your plans are and who you're going to keep and who you're not. It's it's hard, but I don't think it's I don't think it's ridiculous to talk about trading away one of the defensive prospects if the returns there and if you can fill a weakness somewhere else in your roster. Right. Well, that and if they do pan out, they're going to be worth a whole lot more when that happens yeah. than true. it would be yeah, right now that's as true. a prospect. That's true. That is a, that is a fair point. I just have one more question because we talked about uh, how good the Flyers division is at, at the top. How are the freaking Islanders this bad? Like they can't, I have no idea. They can't be this bad. Cap- right? I feel like we've, we've talked about this Is it all Jack Capuano? Yeah, like, is I'm that what it's about? Because like they, like, there's no way Harmonic is this bad. There's um, no way Hamanick. John Tavares. Hamonic. What did I call him? Hamonic. Hamonic. Ah, it's definitely Hamonic. Hamonic? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally Travis That's Hamanick. harder to say. Hamonic. <laughs> no. It, that's like. That's not right. Yeah, no. it is Hamonic. <laughs> Letty has been bad this year, too, and he's another very good defenseman. It's got to be the Boychuk? Boychuk? Yeah, but Boychuk started being bad last year. Is it kind of surprising they haven't fired him yet? It's I'm kind very of surprised surprising. they haven't fired him. Oh, yet. I, I mean, it, it was the biggest shock in the world that Gallant got fired before. Yeah. before Capuano. Capuano deserved way more. Behind. To me, it became <laughs> it became a bigger shock when Gallant was available, and you're like, ah, oh, there's a better coach out there. Let's fire this guy. Like, yeah, I, I just see that as a maybe there's, the, the Islanders problems. just don't want to pay a coach to not coach. I guess. I, if I'm if I'm John Tavares, I am like counting the days so I can get the hell out of there. And the thing is, I know in the end he's going to resign with them because all star players resign do. with yeah. their teams. But like he should be desperate to get out of there. Like they're a mess from the coaching staff down to the arena they play in. They're just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> that place sure. is disgrace. How fun! Uh, Raleigh in uh, Carolina had to cancel oh that God. game. Oh my God! Like night. how Mickey Mouse is that this? Like you can't make ice. <laughs> There was like, co- that's the one thing that you have to do to play your game. You, had one you have job. to make ice. If we can't make ice, what are we doing here? Yeah, that was good <laughs> I, I would be more critical, but then I remember that I'm a Philadelphia fan and the Sixers had a similar problem about a month ago. So Where oh. they, they couldn't. They couldn't stop the ice from coming out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they couldn't keep the, the hard Some random, dry. like, you know, 
employee just forgot to like change the temperature in the building before they left that night. I, wasn't that one of those freaky days when it was like 70 degrees? Yeah. It, yes. Yeah. yeah. And you the mean, ice was really bad in the Flyers game the night before. Yeah. Like I will, I, Charlie and I, I think I talked, talked about that last show whenever that was two weeks ago, maybe. Uh, oh, look at that. 815. That is all the time we have for you this week on Broad Street Hockey. Like I said, be sure to rate us on iTunes, you bunch of bastards. Just Please. go in there and freaking do it. Uh, yes, yeah, so but thank only, you. only if you're going to say nice things. Yeah. About us. About us. They will. I'll me just, and Kelly. I'll just me, me and Stephanie specifically. Specifically Broad Street yeah, Hockey Radio. Yeah. iTunes uh, <laughs> iTunes only lets you make so many fake accounts, so uh, <laughs> other people got to start doing it too. I'm kidding. I only did that like two or three times. Uh, <laughs> He's not kidding. That's all the time we have for you this week. Thanks for li- listening, everybody. Thanks to Toxic for their hospitality. Go Flyers. Are you ready to talk about sports? I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.